Welcome to Tavern Talk. Hey there, guys. Welcome to Tavern Talk. I am the barkeep this week for this roundtable discussion. We will be doing a multi-part series on items, loots, and various other subjects concerning such. With me today, as always, we do have Ben, the DM for Lightlessness, and Talra in Pumpkin Spice. Sam, the DM for Pumpkin Spice, and uh, Notch Stern in uh, Lightnessless. And then Matt, who plays... Matt, who do you play? Go ahead. Uh, oh my gosh. Don't put me on the spot like this, Reed. It's Babe Reese in Lightlessness and Rothgar in uh, Pumpkin Spice. I was blanking out Rothgar's name. Thank you. So, in part one of our items, loots, rewards, etc. series of Tavern Talks, what we're going to be talking about largely today is what kind of loot, how we distribute loot, and why do we do such. So... We have a series of talking points to go over. We will be just running down them in the order I put them together because I think this is a good order and everybody should be on the same page. So the first point we have down here is as a DM, how do you normally determine loot for the party? And this is such things as loot tables, customized loot, you know, whether or not you want to throw anything in particular in there based on the environment or the enemies, etc. And we will go in the order that I believe were displayed for everybody on Discord. So we'll start with Ben, then Sam, then drop down to Matt. All right. Well, I'll take the common one, which is I was reading the book and I found a cool item, so I gave it to the party. Um, That's like a go-to since the beginning of my DMing days, and I know that Sam is very similar. Also, uh, I did try, like, the whole entire point of doing Lightlessness was trying to stay by the book as much as possible for running a campaign because we had a little fast and loose with Pathfinder. So I did try running their loot tables and rolling their percentages based upon party level and CR of encounter to determine loot. Um, But it's, it's really, like, just here's a bunch of gold, not so much items until you get to think up to level five, so... And Sam, your method for putting together loot ta- loot for the party? Yeah, part of it has been uh, looking through and seeing what is a cool item, um, like the Goblin Skull Bombs. Uh, and they're, they don't think they really fit with any of your characters, but they're really cool. Um, but for Pumpkin Spites, I did want to look at things instead of randomly generating. Um, I wanted to look at things that you guys that I think would possibly use. Um, sometimes it doesn't work out and you guys aren't interested in it, but it is, I do try sometimes to make something that you would want to use. And um, when I would DM for my other friends, because they were newer, I tried doing what uh, Benjamin did, actually, at one point, and asked for, like, what would you think that your character would want, or what would you like for your character to have? And because they didn't know pretty much anything about the game, I could figure out what items could best display that talent and I tried to stick to the level and the um, complexity of the loot tables that they had so they wouldn't get everything all at once but I would also try to make sure that the environment fit their loot as such one person got night vision goggles at a scientist lab you wouldn't find a night vision goggles somewhere and I think that was uh, goggles of night seeing but I just gave it like you know attack visor basically is what he wanted 
Um, but I try to fit it into the environment. So I knew that's what he was going to get. And I put it in the dungeon, which was them clearing out this scientific lab. So it looks like we more or less covered all the main points that I just mentioned at the beginning. And for the most part, we do try to customize the loot to the characters to some degree, right? To make sure that they're happy with it. So on that point, as Matt said to his point, he made sure that the night vision goggles came out of the scientist place and he tried to customize everything to that sense. So how often do you do the opposite? How often do you put like, let's say a random sword that maybe a goblin may not use himself, but maybe he found it and was keeping it in his backpack or something like that, or some other minor magic trinket that maybe doesn't make sense for the creature, but you want the party to have it. And therefore you have to give it to something that may not make logical sense. Um, I think I hardly ever have someone using a magic item that you guys get. I always just do the chest method or the, you found this thing randomly method. Um, I don't know. Have I done anything else other than chess? I feel like I'm just a chess guy. <laughs> like, here's some chess. Look inside. Um, I think if I were to do anything that wasn't part of part of this, it would probably just been like for a story item. Um, otherwise, if they had this cool thing, then I would want them to use it. So you guys would would know to be like, oh, that's cool, and try to use it uh, yourselves after you um, defeated the enemy or something. Um, I had only once, I think, where there was an item, um, that a cultist was using that the party, after they knocked out these two cultists, they said, oh, well, these swords are better than what we had. Um, the rest of the time I kind of do the chest method as well. Gotcha. So we believe that chests are rather, rather important to the game and therefore, you can't just uh, have enemies necessarily walking around with items that party is going to have to track them down. Does that sound about right? Well, I... sorry, I was going to just say that, like, I don't know that we, we believe either way, because, like, Sam did a good job with the Dinosaur King, for lack of a better term, in Pumpkin Spice, having a bunch of stuff on him that we could have stolen, I think, if he didn't fly into the volcano. I don't really remember how that all went down. But, um... Uh, if the question is asking whether or not we value seeing an item before we use it, I think we're all like very individualistic with our characters. So we kind of like, no, like I want this to be like something that represents my character. And sometimes if someone else is wearing something, it becomes less cool in my opinion. Uh, he got sucked into the volcano because of his summon. But yes, I do kind of agree with Ben with this one. And also I'm more of a fan of an armory type where you earn it by having somebody, especially at lower levels, because I haven't run a higher level campaign. A lot of my loot was given to people as like a, you have proven yourself worthy of something above a menial class person, or you are protecting this armory. And because you've recovered it from somebody who tried to break in, we will give you one or two items from the armory as a reward for your valor. Gotcha. So basically, I guess what we're saying there is that uh, it's better if I'm getting this right. It's better to make sure in some situations 
that it's just not kind of an item dump, but the players have some value in finding it themselves. Is that right? So it's not necessarily that you're going to just grab a hoard and randomly pick through it like a treasure chest or something, but you want each thing to be special. that You want them to make sure that they feel like they earned it rather than just coming across it. Yeah, I think most people enjoy earning their loot rather than just kind of having a pile of gold dumped to their feet. If they feel like they earned it, then they're going to be really happy to use it. Like, I I am Rothgar. I earned this sword of... Blah, blah, blah. What, trademark. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of really disappointing if it's like, okay, here's our loot. And, um, you know, if we decide to just roll generated from the dice completely and you get like an evil sword, but we're a bunch of good people, it's like, oh, I can't use any of this. It's really disappointing. Also, I wanted to include the opportunity for the barkeep to answer the questions. I know that you're serving us, but, uh, you know, we could have some friendly conversation with the barkeep as well. So um, how did you normally determine loot for the party? Did you cover that? And what is your thoughts on making loot realistic, as in loot, you know, being worn or wielded by an enemy? And that's why we found it. I actually mostly do give out my loot from the enemies. I will have it on their persons. And that does include, in my case, situations where maybe a goblin is carrying around a necklace of fireballs and he was just too dumb to activate it. I personally don't have any problems with that. I don't really... I I mean, I can understand what Sam's perspective where he wants to have the players get excited for this item they see getting used right. But I personally don't feel the necessity to it. I think that there is some fun and giving them something that may even look mundane and then maybe they decide oh wait a second i need to check this out a little bit more maybe i notice a glyph on it and therefore it might be magical and being surprised that there was loot that they didn't expect on a goblin and then um as far as that kind of plays into the uh loot determination is i will generally hand out a variety of stuff it won't be off of the loot table but I will hand out the general like roundabout, you know, you find some coins, you find maybe a couple of gems and then the equipment of the guy. I don't use any particular loot table and I just kind of try to gauge it how much I want the players to have at any certain point in time. Any questions on that one or no, that sounds fair enough. Okay, so um, moving on to something like the Moonstone or the rings that we acquired from the uh, ceremony in Lightlessness, for example. So when you have a quest item that technically has power to it, but it's important for the players to get in order to progress the quest, and there's not even necessarily a value to it to the players naturally like it may not actually fit the players party but they could technically take feats or whatever to use it if there's something that's very quest focused that you want the players to have and could possibly increase their power level if this side put effort in do you still calculate that into the loot that you're giving them you do you count that as part of their reward or do you put it in there and forget about it because that's something you want the players to have So I'm going to take this opportunity to make sure that we do derail a little bit every now and then, uh, so it's not all too straightforward and a bit of a conversation. I think that um, this whole determining value thing and, like, 
Um, you know, like I, th I think we understand, we all understand the purpose of tables and not giving out, uh, what is it, sort of sunlight. Uh, I remember like that's being very powerful in Pathfinder, uh, you know, at level one. But do you think we've reached a point as a group where we just like don't hand out OP equipment, but we do hand out equipment that's like useful and maybe more magical and more valuable than the party's needs? Um, because I think that, you know, this question hinges on whether or not we even care about the value of items. Well, I mean, I was going to touch on that later on down on the discussion notes, but uh, my answer would be, yes, I do take into consideration the value of the items to the players. And I do try to use that to gauge their progression, as I kind of mentioned in the previous answer I gave. Do you guys mean that also is like the, like the gold value, or just mean if they would, um, if they would use it, or if it's worth something to them? I meant, you know, just. Uh, well, I guess uh, Reed, since you're the barkeep, I, I don't actually. I think you should answer that because I don't know what you mean by factor into value. And which note did I jump into by accident? Just so I know. Um, I was going to talk that underneath the reward section because rewards is inherent to value, whether it's a power value or a gold piece value that can be converted into power, which is something we'll be covering in a couple top topics from now. But so, could you clarify then? Uh, do we do you factor in the value of the item? What were you um, like? What which value are we referring to there, or is it open ended? It's ultimately open-ended because in Pathfinder, everything has a GP value and you can technically melt stuff down for gold and barter. Heck, you could even barter up if you have high enough appraisal and diplomacy skills. So technically giving your players any sort of magical item is giving them a magic item of equivalent power that they may find more useful. So I just try to keep in kind of a uh, reserve their kind. I try to uh, keep track of just how much equipment they have such that I know that if they felt like cashing in at some point, they wouldn't be overpowered all of a sudden. Okay. Um, well, I, if when it goes back to story specifics, like a key item, because I play a lot of RPGs, um, if I'm going to take the item back at the end of the quest, or if it's going to be used up and consumed, I won't factor it into the value of the loot. If it is an item that the that the party is going to keep, I will factor it into the um, like gold value or the loot table value in 5e. Um, if I'm taking it back, I feel like I'm not going to charge them for that against their reward table. But if I'm going to let them keep it, then I'm going to say, let me make it useful. Let me give them something that they have to use so they know how to use it and they are going to keep it. But most of the times, if it's like a moonstone and it got burned up, I or that giant diamond that we got in lightlessness, I feel like it wouldn't really make too much sense for Ben to calculate that in our loot value because we're not selling that. We're not using that for anything other than quest-related items. But that's just my opinion. And I had never even asked him if that's what he did. I actually am going to interject before Sam here. Um, so we brought up that in Pathfinder, obviously, there's a gold value. But in 5e, as far as I know, there is only rarity. 
And uh, unfortunately, with just rarity, like you don't really risk your players selling it, maybe trading it. But as the DM, you can always like counter that to ensure balance stays. So that would be my only uh objection i sent you a picture with the table from 5e of what an item is approximately worth gold value wise so maybe as a dm slash party we can kind of negotiate especially with a charisma base you might have a barkeep or a um a te- like our a merchant discussing like this item is worth closer to the 500 gold piece value instead of the 1500 gold piece value that the tag on the item might say. So you, you can technically barter and everything like that in Pathfinder or in uh, 5e. It's just not as well explained or detailed as Pathfinder is. And I guess that's my point. Cause that thing that you sent doesn't actually say anything about value it just says that you could make a value if you want to make a value right because i thought i that was just that short thing that you took out of the 5e book that yeah says, that, that's all there was there was really not much there so i think it's up to interpretation for the dm to use that as like i said a merchant can kind of discuss that but as there's no skill of appraise and there's no um official diplomacy check between two parties that i found when it comes to selling and buying items we kind of did what we did where we purchased mass potions at a discount and everything using kind of like what we thought would be fair. But I agree with you. It's not really, it's not explicitly spelled out in in fifth edition. So it does make it a little difficult to melt down items and sell them or sell them for equivalent gold pieces. I think that, I think that wizards wanted magic items to be more rare in this and to have um i forget if you guys call them like low they're not epic campaigns where everything's magical you have multiple guilds that seems more of a pathfinder idea this seems more of what we're doing as magic is in the world but it's still very rare and everything that we find that's magical is very new we should state that 5e has left it open to do anything so they try to make as little rules as possible so you feel free to do anything they obviously want you to be able to do all those things that you may say are Pathfinder-like, but it's I guess the idea is with less rules, there's more ability. And I, I think this is what I want to keep getting back to. The, as long as the players don't feel like they have leverage over the DM with a rule book, then the DM never has to worry about the value of an item. Um, again, because I balance the usefulness of the item with the potential trading cost, I still say that you have to watch the value of the item. Again, I, I'm I have no problem speaking in, in abstractions like this, where I equate the gold piece value relative to the usefulness of the item. So you still do have to, even in five e, watch what items you're giving the players, and you have to track whether or not you're giving them too many items. From a power standpoint, you think, or from yeah, a- because it um, it, it's you know this may just be my personal opinion, but. I think that power should work on a relatively light curve. I don't think that it should be exponential in any sense. So the more magic items you give a party, this kind of goes actually more towards the 5e idea of you only ever have one bonus action and everything's only ever an upgrade. I don't know that loading up, for example, in Pathfinder, when you have 10 body slots, right? And you just stick a magic item in every body slot. You know, I do not like that as an idea, and therefore 
I feel the necessity to watch what I'm giving the players so that they don't feel like they're just stacking magical tanks on top of magical tanks and having carrying around a giant tank, you know? Oh yeah. Well, I agree with everything you said. Cause in my first point, when I was talking about five E that's, that's what I said. You just got to worry about power level. Sam, did you have any uh, chime ins here? Uh, yeah, a few. Um, I, I do think about that when, um, like in Pathfinder, I feel like right now, like I was loving, like just chucking some magic items towards yours way. Um, and instead of just giving straight up gold, which some of the things you guys have switched out for gold, um, but my immediate answer for the original question of should I factor that into um, the the loot pretty much um, was no if it's a story item. But then I thought about it and I was like, I think I'd rather be um, more like if I send you to get this like special thing, even though you're going to use it for something. I feel like if uh, you went to go and get this, you know, this diamond. But you instead, like, you found that, but then you also found something that's more amazing that kind of takes away from the whole story or the whole ragamuffin idea. So I think I do, um, I would tone down the rest of the loot that you guys would find because ultimately the reason you're there is for that one piece in particular. So I'm going to ask then, is Sam's idea of loot rewards from a DM's perspective should this be based on what the players should want as characters? Should their rewards be based on what they expect to gain from adventure or should the players be expecting a certain gold amount? Do you think? Um, I think it kind of depends on where exactly they're going. Um, like I like what Matt said before where you went, he got um, scientific equipment as a, loot from going into a science lab um so if you guys went into like a wasteland i would guess you would expect to find less um what was the first part of that question though honestly i realized that i'm kind of trying to straddle the line between talking points because uh what i wanted to do is i wanted to switch over to the player side of things and then i tried to pose a question that i was going to pose as players to the DM portion of the argument since we've been totally derailed and therefore I don't know up or down or left or right at the moment. So let's just switch gears to the players because I think that's going to be easier because it sounds like for the most part, we are just going to give them whatever we feel like giving them as the DMs and basically just judge that on the fly without any real intent or purpose for the most part sounds to be the idea. So we'll switch over to players really quick just because This seems to be dragging on a bit. So the first thing I wanted to open up with as players, because I think this is pivotal to the argument, is how many pieces of equipment do you remember receiving and remember using as a player? How many pieces of equipment that you got as loot was so meaningful to you that you defined your character more or less by that piece of equipment? I'm supposed to start, but... The only things that ever come to mind are things that I made as part of my own character creation, not normally things that I've received. And it's kind of unfair because even those characters in their character creation were NPCs. <laughs> uh, I just, I don't know that I've played as a player enough. So when I think of Tower, I like the flying blade is like a key essence to him. And the fact that it became vicious was important, but I didn't receive that as loot. And then his other loot, 
um, maybe, maybe his necklace, you know, that, that was a powerful, cool thing that worked out. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's not, not many, but I also don't play enough players, I guess. Sam, do you have any characters that you remember getting loot from the DM that made you very happy and that you were glad to include on the character? Um, I don't think it's tough to remember a lot of things. I remember way back when when we got I got really into ion stones. Um, but I don't even remember if that was part of a real story or if we were just talking about how cool it would be to have like a whole galaxy swarming around your head. Um, I think for us, a lot of the big um, parts of our characters are like the weapon that they carry. Um, and I remember a paladin I had who he rode like basically a chocobo, but again, that was something that he created. He was created with instead. Um, so I don't know. I don't remember using a lot of flute. And I guess for me, uh, the only really two pieces of loot that really stick out, the one that I used was the witch uh, corset uh, most recently. And I used that because it really boosts up my AC. It was really good for my character and let me heal everybody a little bit more. Um, but the one that like I wish I could have used but I didn't use was the water tower shield that like healed me but when i let go of it it hurt me because if i I couldn't use the tower shield as as the character i was using as a paladin but if i could if it was like a normal shield i was i would have used that non-stop i thought it was awesome just because it was a tower shield my character wasn't proficient with it i was like i i can't use this so off of that point because that is the second thing that i wanted to talk about here if if it was easier for you to take feats, if you had more flexibility with how your character was created, which is a bit of a problem in D&D because it's a class-based system, if it was a little bit easier for you to gain proficiency with that tower shield, it sounds like you would have. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I think I would have. I think I really would have enjoyed using it because I was always like, oh, this is nice, but I couldn't. And I was also so new at playing a melee character that I had no idea how to really do it. So, but yes, if I could have, if I if I could have easily used it, I would have liked to have used it more. Any other pieces of equipment from either Ben or Sam that they remember, you know, looking at and saying, "Oh, that's really cool," but it just plain doesn't fit my character, doesn't fit my feet tree, whatever. Um, I mean, like the two recent pickups, the sash of flowing water and the cape of spinning, because I don't remember its actual name. They're definitely like two really cool items. It's just funny because I have abilities that are better than them, so I would never use them. And that's another part of loot that you don't use as a counter question to this own question. You know what I mean? Like Anything you want to add in, Sam, there? before I jump on what Ben just said. Uh, no, go ahead. I don't think I, I can't think of anything. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, but well, before uh, before Reed does that, Ben, don't forget that you also use the crown all the time, which is good. I mean, that's a piece of loot that you use. Yeah, the crown of swords is great. That's true, and that that worked in because my character is reactive, so that was a reactive item. That was a wonderful get 
that felt like it really matched my character. And obviously the crown has added a ton of role playing <laughs> to Talra that would have never existed otherwise. So cool, cool. So this then, and this was what I was talking about when I was talking about bringing it back to how the DM distributes the uh, treasure and whether or not just how much the DM needs to be worrying about what kind of treasure he puts out because, you know, as Matt said, he couldn't use the tower shield because he couldn't equip it, but it was really awesome. And then Ben has a number of items that he can't equip, but chances are Ben would melt down if he had the chance to enhance items he already did. Just so that I don't put words into Ben's mouth, is that accurate? Ben, will you melt down the cape and the sash of flying water into gold pieces to enhance your flying blade or such? Actually, I'm really into earlier you were talking about how you didn't like filling every single slot with magic. <laughs> and I'm all about that. And the fact that there's empty slots on my character sheet, I'm like, no, every single one needs a magic item. So I, I like that they fill a slot. Now, if they get replaced, like this is a total Diablo 3 behavior. But obviously, like when I find one that's a little better, I go over to the merchant and I sell it and use a little bit of better one. So I'm not married to them, but... Um, I am married to them until I have something to replace them. All right. So Ben obviously feels like he can keep those things around just to fill an aesthetic for himself. If you are a more pragmatic person, Sam, let's talk in hypotheticals here. If you're more pragmatic do you feel like you are more likely to sell an item in order just to boost something that you built your character with? For example, would you sell a sash of flowing water to get your chocobo magic armor that your DM did not intend to give you? Uh, yeah, honestly, I probably would, um, especially since the the sash isn't story driven or it's not really a part of my character or anything. Um, then and, you know that's something that you have to take a negative for, and there's like conditions for it. When I could just get some juggable armor that is always working, that's I mean just something that's much better, um, and I could always use it, like you said. So it's much more worth it. Matt, since you are in love with this tower shield, because you couldn't use the tower shield, are you glad that it was left on the truck with, uh, shoot, what's his name? Boaz. Boaz. Or would you have preferred to have it on your character just as a nice uh, conversation piece? Um, honestly, when it went away, I didn't miss it. And I wouldn't, if I could have sold it to either get a better armor, I would have preferred to do that or get a ring or something of that nature. I would have rather have done that than kind of let it go into the other of time, which is what happened. But I mean, you can't you can't control everything in the game. Um, so it was also cool to see our characters react to it because that was also a key item that we had to use to break into a an area that we just didn't know. I don't think our characters had like identify a spell. Like none of our characters were really magical, so we weren't able to say, "Oh, we were supposed to use this to break into." Um, like that one museum to get into the Ark. I think that was what the item was meant for. But because we didn't even do that, we just were like, well, it's a key item that we no longer need, so it's okay. 
So along these lines, would it is uh, getting an item and possibly going, ah, that'd be nice, but I can't use it. Is that worth actually picking up the item or would everybody be more happy if they got gold as reward? It, would it be easier for everybody with the exception of Ben, who clearly likes to just fill his magic slots randomly. Would it be easier for you as a player to just get the gold so that you can upgrade your chocobo armor right away, as opposed to go through the hassle of, well, I got this thing that I'm never going to use. And now I've got to pawn it off, potentially take a cut on my reward, which I work to earn because I don't have good enough barter skills in order to get the upgrade for my character. So this actually does change things because like if I had cash to start with, I'd be filling all those slots more efficiently. So, you know, it is about filling the slots, but it's not about randomly filling them. It's just, if I don't have anything else to fill it, then I'm not going to get rid of it yet. But um, I think this is like a really cool and interesting point. And it, it would be a really fun campaign to just get gold. Uh, I just question whether or not the feel of the campaign would have to be really lighthearted like the rap campaign so that we always have access to the type of people who sell the type of things that we want to buy whenever we want to buy them. You know what I mean? That's, that's the interesting part about it. And I guess we all do kind of keep some idea of realism when we DM our campaigns, because we want them to be immersive and we want you to like kind of buy into our story. So I, I don't know if, if giving treasure instead of equipment still allows for the same buy-in um, or maybe you could give them more options later so they can buy their own stuff. I guess that that's, that would be the other thing. Like you could say like, well, this makes sense in my story. Here's a choice of four things to buy from instead of just giving you one of the four instead of giving you the treasure. So I kind of like that idea, but if saying like, what would make sense? Um, Cause right now, um, you know, I feel like in Piazza, if we were to go down there, if it weren't the end of the world, maybe we would have some, a lot of options for what we could buy there. Um, Spoiler, you still will have a lot of options for things to buy there. It's a great place. I can't wait. Cool. That's right. Like, say, if my parents are whatever. Um, and I had another point that I was going to say. Oh, um, I do like kind of getting... I feel like it takes away from the game, since it's largely built with lots of magic into it, to just say, oh... Um, this dragon was sitting on gold and only gold instead of saying like, Oh, you, you found this shining ring, but you're not sure what it is. It kind of, it's kind of fun to solve that little mystery and then decide if I would like to use it or not. But is it fun in 5e where your characters, like, I, I really hate that you guys spend one hour with an item and know everything about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of, odd because it would be kind of fun if we did that but you had to roll a check for it and if you mess up you use your lightning javelin into your face or something but um it's it's a little bit weird but i think for 5e it's just a way for them to stream everything down and make it easier for everyone okay and um for my answer i think that the gold versus items it's only worth it if the world is set up to do so I was actually reading a couple of high fantasy books where the world was a couple of guilds and these guilds would do raids and everything into different gods realms and all of the loot swag they would get 
They would sell to the merchants. They would basically keep all the good stuff for themselves, trade amongst another, and then sell anything extra to the merchants, at which they would buy things from other guilds that would sell things that they didn't want. Um, very much as like an MMO. And that was my thought process. And I thought, well, in, if D&D was meant to be set up with this is a massive, uh, most of the magic might be set into like certain groups of people. Most of the magic items are kind of kept on a, we sell them to fund this mass amount of people and mass armies. And they do have all this stuff in Pathfinder where you can actually say, how much does a castle cost to run a month? Well, if it costs a thousand gold just to run this like small, like tavern slash, you know, guild hall, you will need to have people go out and earn a living. So there will be magic items readily for sale for new adventurers from these seasoned adventurers that are in these guild halls. But that has to be set up with the story of the DM and the story of the world. If um, the world's not set up that way and the way, you know, I mean, I had it, I didn't have it like that where the world was set up that way. All the magic items were, the world didn't have magic items. Like the magic that was in the world was very limited and the characters were on the cusp of magic coming into the world. So they weren't able to buy things. So I gave them the items. And they were kind of like, well, I wish I could buy stuff. And I said, yeah, I would try to work with them. But when I gave them the items originally, the world wasn't set up for them to buy magic items because they were the people on the front line saying any magic item they get is the most magical item in the world right now. So, you know, it's just a different feel. So you have to balance that with how the world is, I guess. So... This is probably going to be the last point because I think we've been going for a while. Does anybody else have an opinion on length? Otherwise, I can keep going and going forever, but. Longer the better. Yeah, no opinion. Um, I guess I don't know if it makes a difference. I mean, I guess as a DM, it's kind of fun for me to look through all the Pathfinder magic items because there are so many and and see what's what's fun or neat and like just throw them in. And I don't know if I prefer to do that as a DM or a player, because um, as a player, sometimes I get like that, like uh, I forget what it's called, but like I don't want to use it up. If anything's ever consumable, I never use it until it doesn't mean anything anymore. Um, yeah, um, like like if like potions, like I always end every game with infinite potions because I never use them unless I like really need them. Um. But as a DM, it's like, oh, just like I like to throw things in and they're just cool. It's just nice to read them and see them happen. All right. So uh, the just in case we have a baby randomly waking up at some point, I will just say that we'll do one more topic. Um, the topic that I wanted to touch on just last here is along those lines of you can't create maybe there is a campaign where it doesn't make as much sense for there to be magic items all over the place so it's harder to find etc perhaps having a different loot system altogether rather than having a gold point having some kind of experience point system for it because technically speaking that is how you make magic items in pathfinder and dnd is by imbuing them with experience points for the most part there is a gold a you know 50% gold cost to it as well but if it was purely experience points if it was purely something that you paid as a result of your hard work 
off of your character. Would you find that preferable as a player to simply rather than get a whole bunch of loot, get, you know, maybe some loot from the DM and then get a pool of resources that you could spend to upgrade your character's loot since your character's loot that you start the game with, we have determined lots of time it's what you remember the character as, i.e. the Chocobo, i.e. the Flying Blade. Um, so I guess it, it really comes down to how you want to play the game, but I, I do think characters should change and they shouldn't just like live with the same stuff and upgrade it the whole entire time. Like something seems wrong about that. So I've tried like so many times to like figure out a system where like I can ask you guys what you might want and help you get those things. But I wonder if like the speed of the game is just that you don't get a new item to replace an item for like a good, like five levels sometimes you know what i mean like that's like the break in power like your first first level item lasts you till your fifth level and then your fifth level item generally lasts you till your 10th level and then maybe we upgrade it and then we never really make it to 15 to see like what happens to our items you know what i mean it's it's interesting because to need new items you need to reach a power level that requires it sometimes all right. I will say to that point that I do agree that characters should change, but generally I look at that as a character persona, as the character's personality, his opinions, his beliefs, etc. When it comes to items, if you look, you know, basically at any piece of fantasy or uh, medieval uh, fantasy, whatever you like, you know, characters are defined by a single item. You know, King Arthur has Excalibur, Ajax has a giant shield. Lubu has the red hair, you know, there are characters for the most part in traditional fantasy that are only defined by a single item. And therefore this comes actually back to the legacy item expansion or splat book, whatever you want to call it for 3.5, where you would get this heirloom item and you would level it up with experience points or whatever it was to be representative of your character because it's such a large part point. Uh, part of them so opinions there i have to ask real quick did lubu always use that item or did he start using that item when he became op and like excalibur like i guess he that's when he gets from like the lady in the lake right so he got that like before he became like an adventurer and a partier sword in the stone uh lubu got the red hair somewhat later on it was probably before i honestly can't remember if it was before he had total notoriety but by the time he was do not pursue lubu he had the red hair otherwise the excalibur did come from lady of the lake and that was early on in king arthur's adventures it was very low level relatively speaking oh i I was right it was lady of the lake okay oh i thought sword and stone dang well that's disney It, it depends All right, so DM Sam's turn. Uh, I really do kind of like the idea of a legacy item sometimes. Like, if, if it works, like, in your character, like, um, um, you know, Samurai Jack. I think Samurai, that's a big part of the class features. Uh, at least it was in 3.5. Um, but um, it's just, it's a really nice story, um, a, a chance, a way to say it in the I'm story sorry, that out, this was my father's sword. And instead of saying... Oh, in you know, first level, I just got this plus one sword, and then there as soon as I get a plus one flaming sword, I'm just going to chuck Sam my father's sword week? into my backpack and never use it again. Um, so, like that's kind of it makes it 
mean more if you can do something like that with your legacy. Um, and it's just an option. And that, that's I'm not going to do that with every character, though. So there, there may have been. Uh oh. Yeah, we're reaching that point where things are having like technical difficulties. But um, can everyone hear me? Okay. Uh, we can now. Is everyone else there? Or is it just me? Yeah, I'm here too. Ben, we can't hear you. I, I, I'm here now. I think Reed was saying that he couldn't hear anyone, and uh, we just dropped him. And then I was having issues with my mic auto muting. So um, I think maybe we should just wrap it up because Reed keeps bouncing in and out. So everyone want to say their farewells? And uh, Matt, do you mind giving us an outro? Uh, okay. Can I just say my point or no? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Uh, no, no, that's fine. Uh, I just like to choose my path and stick on it. Um, I like to be able to create my own items. I like the fact that Chogger imbued um, your flying blade and Gordon Black's um, arrow. And now Chogger is dead. And maybe that might be an item that you guys think fondly of him about. Or it could just be you're going to melt it and do whatever you want to anyway. Um, but I'd rather my character be a a really sharp sword that can cut through anything rather than be a hammer with nine heads that you don't know how to swing it. Um, that's how I kind of feel like I like to choose my character, but that's just my opinion and I'm going to have you do any kind of outros. Cool. Any final comments from anyone? Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you for allowing me to be the barkeep and everything appears to be working now. All right, cool. Glad to hear that you can hear us all. All right. Uh, well, if no one else has anything, I'll wrap this up. Please do, Matt. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking about loot tables. These are some things that uh, four different DMs from four very different types of game styles, campaigns, and two at least two different types of D&D um, books, a uh, set of books are actually at rules, uh, are talking to you guys about. So think about it. Write in, please, because loot is a very big part of the game. About a third of the book is built into loot tables, especially with the DMs book uh, with 5th edition. So in every new expansion that they have, they have new loot and new feats to help balance that out and give you guys something new and exciting to look forward to. So if you're a player or if you are even just a listener, let us know what you guys think about how you would like loot to be distributed if you think that maybe in a video game fashion where you should be able to buy it, but you find like the really rare stuff in the dungeons, or if you think that you should be able to make it as a craftsperson, depending on your character, how it builds. Um, there's a ton of different ways to look at it, and if you guys let us know on Twitter at PathlessPod what you think, uh, I know we would greatly appreciate it, and we could even talk about that in another Tavern Talk as well to turn to have the people who are listening into the barkeep and all of the travelers um all of your opinions do matter to us and it would be really cool for us to hear and see and talk about what you think as the listeners and as every other players that don't have a chance to be recorded so thank you very much have a great night have a great day and keep listening to the pathless podcast have a good one bye <laughs>